Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Hey, thanks for being a part of the Advertising Show, being brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. Visit online at adage.com, Advertising Show, a big radio midget production. We have a, uh, a show that will last you not only one week, but two weeks, because we've got George Lewis, our special guest, coming on board here shortly. Uh, George is uh, obviously a legendary art director and author of a brand new book called Ali Rap, Muhammad Ali, the first heavyweight champion of rap. Do you ever think about the fact that he might be uh, one of the earliest rappers? Well, it's true. And uh, George is always an incredibly colorful interview and is so much fun to talk to. And uh, so we hope you'll uh, enjoy this show. As we get things rolling, we've got, um, let's see, we've got uh, Patrick Meyer coming up here momentarily. Power of the Woman. Power of the Woman. Oh, yeah. Uh, like Nikki says. And Jeffrey Gittimer, value mantra. Your value mantra. Yes, it's, uh, what is your value? Hopefully it's good. Uh, by the way, this book, over 300 rap rhythms, witticisms, insults, wisecracks, politically incorrect quips, courageous stands, and words of inspiration from the mind, heart, and soul of a brash young Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali, as he steadily grew into the uh, magnificent man who he is today, uh, from a narcissistic self-promoter who eventually became a man of enduring spirituality through a journey of a formidable test, Ali has emerged as a true superhero in the annals of American history. Sounds like I'm reading this. No, yeah. I'm making it up. No, he is. And the worldwide ambassador of courage and conviction. So this is a book that actually George did along with, uh, in conjunction with um, uh, ESPN. Right. And there was a, a television uh, feature on this as well. Yeah. So it's cool to have him here. Yeah, and you know, just to mention, Ray, if you're not familiar with George Lois, and I can't imagine that you're not, but uh, Dordane Birnbach, uh, back uh, back in the uh, late 50s, uh, Mr. Birnbach, Bill Birnbach, hired George as a, a young art director at the time. If you're familiar with some of the classic Volkswagen uh, print ads, right, uh, right. Think Small and so forth, if you're familiar with the MTV logo, uh, that's all George's work, uh, today's guest here on the advertising show, along with many, many other uh, well-known ad campaigns. Uh, Google George Lois. <laughs> you'll see You'll yeah, see what the guy's done if you're not familiar with him. Well, we're so, getting so close to uh, Christmas here as we uh, broadcast this show uh, just a couple of weeks before uh, Christmas, actually a week before Christmas, I should say. It says more than half of consumers recently uh, said they still haven't completed the bulk of their gift buying. Well, what, what else is new, right? Right. More than a third have done very little or none of it. They're also cutting back on the spending, according to the latest results of a CNBC survey tracking the holiday day season shopping. Uh, the survey found, uh, survey says that Americans plan to spend on average uh, 735 bucks for the holiday season, down from an average of, what is this? Down, it says down from an average of 735 reported two weeks ago. Hmm. Uh, that doesn't make any sense. Typo. So uh, basically, uh, have you done your holiday shopping? I'm on the half that has not completed. Okay. And by the way, great rendition of uh, Richard uh, Dawson there. Thank you very much. Thank you. Show me. <laughs> Whatever happened to Richard? I don't know. That show was weird, too. It, it, it had, uh, had some funny connections. Hey, real anyway. quickly, I was uh, doing a little uh, surfing the other day and came across the Game Show Network, sure. Cable Network. Sure. And there was Match Game, whatever. 
Yeah, you know, they used to do it by year, and then they got rid of the year and just called it the match right. game. Right. And uh, uh, Rayburn. Uh, Gene Rayburn. Gene Rayburn. Yeah, he has that real long, thin microphone. That's right. Where you got to hold it down by your yeah, waist. Exactly. Well, there's Richard Dawson there on the on the uh, one of the uh, celebrities. Oh, well, he was. Along yeah. with uh, Charles Nelson Riley, and those uh, were their vocations. <laughs> and that uh, radar guy from Mash, uh, you know, radar. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yes, I don't remember his name. Right, he was on there as well. But uh, interesting to look back on that. Uh, it's really a slice of uh, history to, to look yeah. at the way they're dressed and what they're talking about, trying to be a little risque in their questions and their answers. Oh, it was a funny show. Yeah. By the way, I just uh, recently switched. We got a bundled package. People are getting, you know, offering bundled packages. Mm-hmm. So we got we got rid of DirecTV and now have Dish Network. Oh, really? That's pretty cool, you actually. At home, I guess. You at should. home, exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, it has the DVR that you get along with that. Right. It's pretty cool. You using that yet? Absolutely. Yeah, it's hard to, once you start using that, it's like, uh, how did you I ever... Stop. Yeah. 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 Don't invest in uh, VH, uh, VCRs. And, uh, you don't think so, Don't huh? do that. <laughs> I think they're going away. There you go. Hey, let's uh, let's take a minute out of here before we uh, hook up with George in New York this weekend. Uh, Patrick Meyer, our marketing insider feature, has been a regular feature of the show for quite a long time. It's the power of the woman. That sounds like something that uh, Linda Kaplan-Thaler should be doing, but Patrick's going to do it instead. Let's listen. Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider, featuring Patrick Meyer. Today I'm going to talk to you about the power of a woman, but not in the traditional sense, the power of a woman at the cash register. An interesting phenomenon. Over the last five years, working with clients in different categories, it's amazing how often the woman is responsible for 65% of the purchase decisions or more for major brands across the country. In the car category, 65% of decisions. In financial services, in apparel, in college educations, in buying a home, in insurance, etc. The female, in many cases, is the predominant decision maker. Yet the paradox is, so often we market to the averages. A lot of marketers will just market to male and female as if they're identical. Yet their needs are different. I think back to one brand where a glass and the bottle didn't fit well in a woman's hand. And they would stop buying that particular brand. And yet if you talk to them, they would give you ideas on how to meet their needs and talk to them. Here's why you need to think differently about women and make them a priority, not a secondary target. They are predominant in the population size. They have longer longevity. They have the purchasing power, decision-making ability. They are also the gatekeeper for the rest of the family. They are the keeper of the home. They are the keeper of where the bulk of the decisions and spending is. So my friends, you need to think differently about women. Start by talking to them, listen to their needs, their particular needs, and their ideas. Then connect to their lifestyle. They're busy. They're not watching network TV. They're on the computer. They're on the Internet. They're watching cable. They're doing other things. Get to them in different ways. Third, understand their filters. They focus on processing information quickly through filters online. Celebrities like Oprah, word of mouth. They use different ways to filter through and make their decisions. So, my friends, the power of the woman is at the cash register. Make sure it's reflected in what you do. You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing. I'm Patrick Meyer, and remember... The marketing revolution is now. Thanks so much, Patrick. We've got uh, George Lois coming on in just a few moments here at the Advertising Show. A little bit later on, uh, uh, Jeffrey Gittimer, the sales trainer, an uh, incredible guy, uh, value, value Mantra is, is his feature, so we'll look forward to hearing that as well. Yeah, you know, uh, News Corp recently, Ray, uh, said that they're testing a new automated program that would weed out sex offenders on MySpace, uh, and then shortly after, Senators uh, Schumer and McCain announced that they plan to introduce a bill. I thought this was weird 
a bill requiring sex offenders to sub- submit their email addresses to law enforcement. That's not such a bad idea. But what, no. what's unusual about this, I thought, mm-hmm. is the fact that under the proposed legislation, perpetrators would submit their email address to their probation officer, and any offender caught giving an unregistered email address would be found in violation of their parole and face a return to prison. Now, I'm not a sexual offender, and neither are you, but if right. you were and you had to do that, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you just get two email addresses and still go on, you know, doing your weird stuff? Somebody's not thinking about this, are uh, they? Senator Sh- Schumer and uh, McCain are not thinking this through, so okay. I don't know. It's a good idea, but I think they need to think about the execution there. Right, exactly. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. We have uh, George Lois coming up here in just a few moments on the advertising show. Uh, NBC kicking off another season of The Apprentice. I can't believe that. In January, some observers wondering if uh, the Donald vehicle has lost some of its shine. Viewership dropping down 18... Uh, it was 18.5 uh, in May of uh, 04, and now it's 12.8 in December of uh, 05. So, interesting. Yeah. I wonder what the thought process is. I say this might be the last year. But... There you go. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Schillens and Brad Forsyth. Uh, these are the three largest selling soft drinks. Now, let's have a look and see what makes them so popular. Uh, as you can see, this one is a cola. It looks like a cola. It uh, tastes like a cola. As promised, a very special, uh, not only this show, but ne- a couple of shows here with our very good friend and uh, ad legend and founder of Lois USA, George Lois out of New York, uh, sharing classic stories and all of a, of, of a great life in the advertising business. Bernbach, Daldane Bernbach, uh, DDB, and his 40 years as a free spirit in the ad industry. George, welcome back to the advertising show. Incredible to have you here. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, and for those uh, that have not followed the show lately, uh, this is the third appearance for uh, George Lois in the last uh, almost five years. And we had three strikes and you're out. Well, <laughs> and, and since we're doing two shows in a row, I guess that brings this into extra innings, huh, George? Exactly. Uh, bring us up to date. We haven't uh, had you on our program in a couple of years. Anything been going on? Uh, obviously, we're going to talk about the book, uh, Ollie Rapp, and, and that's a, a great uh, job exactly. that you've done with editing and design on that book, and we'll talk about that and your time in with uh, ESPN with that uh, with your publisher and so forth but before we do that uh, what's been going on in your life the last few years well uh, I've been uh, you know I, I, it's really been interesting I, I've, I've done five books before uh, this uh, Ali rap book and uh, I got into it a year and a half ago or so and um, and uh, it, it took up a big part of my life uh, you know for over a year and uh, it's been a lot of fun because uh, what I really enjoyed about it is uh, was that um, I don't have to uh, talk to anybody about it. I don't have to argue <laughs> yeah. with anybody. Right. You know, you just do it. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, it's uh, you know, in, in your whole life is advertising. In advertising, you do it, and then you, um, and then you argue about it for mm. about uh, three months. You right. Know? Uh, you know, and, and try to win everybody over. You know, and uh, I, I, you try to drag them into uh, into uh, becoming uh, a, a billionaires. You know, <laughs> it's amazing how many people. Uh, Give you a hard time when you give them the right, the, the, the big idea for uh, for you know for leaping ahead in their business, you know. Yeah. So so it's been fun doing the the book, you know, and and in fact, as we speak, and I, I can't tell you what the book is yet, but I'm I'm uh, working on another really big important book uh, for a, a big advertiser, and I'm going to 
do the, the book along with a uh, ad campaign that will follow. So uh, you know, I'm really I'm, I'm busy there. Well, I, I so-called retired in um, you know two three years ago, four years ago, and um, and my wife now says that I'm not retired. I'm just tired. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, because I tell you, you know, you, I'm used to working. Uh, you, you know, you, you you when you start out in, in advertising, you know, you do it on your own. When I was at Doyle Dane, basically, you know, and then when I started my own ad agency, it's on your own, and then you, and then you build an agency, and it's, you build people all around you, you know, and and and, be, and from doing a little, uh, a lot of work, you do a, an enormous amount of work, and you you, you get used to. You know, you know, assistants, and you tell people for research. You know, you send them to the library, and you have them do this, and you have them do that. And they all, by the end of the day, twelve people have fed you stuff, etc. And you're able to do more work. Well, when you're kind of alone, I mean, thank God I work with my son Luke. You know, who's a, and the reason I work with my son Luke now is because uh, when I uh, started to do the book, I said. Um, I said to Luke, as a photographer, I said, you know, Luke, I gotta get a, I gotta get a really great uh, somebody who's really great uh, on a computer, you know, because I'm not a computer literate. I didn't grow up at those times, sure. you know, but I used it, but I used it, but I've used the guys who know what they're doing. When I sit down right next to him and I work with them, and he said. Um, he said, uh, well, I want to do it with you. I said, well, what do you know about it? He said, I'm going to do it with you. <laughs> and he said, oh, whoops, okay. He went out and got the equipment, and he's sensational. Is I mean, that right? I guess, the, you know, I guess when you grow up with this stuff, and, you, and you've been, and, and, you know, he's been around me, and he's heard me talk about type and all kinds of stuff. Anyway, it's an incredible relationship. So I work with him, but, you know, there's, there's another 70 people I used to have, you right. know. So anyway, but I I love it, you know. I mean, I'm having a hell of a good time, you know. Uh, uh, and uh, you know, and now that I'm about to do a book that's got as a combination of advertising and and a really I got, I'm doing a really incredible book. And I will promise, I promise you, I'll get to you guys when. Uh, uh, you know, because it's going to be a spring, uh, a late spring. Oh, it's wrong. We'll, yeah. we'll make sure and have you on. And Ray yeah. was just holding up a little note and passed it to me when you mentioned the new book. And if you can mention both Ray and my name within that book, book, that's fine. And the that's advertising right. show, we will uh, have a little something special in the what mail. What size for type? Well, you, you're the art director, George. <laughs> hey, you know, it's, uh, it's up to hey, you. You know, there's still uh, you know four point type around. Here. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we, we were hoping for something along the lines of sixteen bold. But uh, uh, do I have to commemorate? The book here, dedicated to you. It wouldn't hurt. It wouldn't hurt. But, you know, old joke, right? Some, uh, you know, some people are. Anymore. He's dead. He's, uh, your greatest Japan is dead. It couldn't hurt. <laughs> well, you know, we're going to weave some of those stories about your career uh, in and out of talking about the book as well. And uh, you know, how many people out there for for those that aren't familiar with uh, George? And I can't imagine there are many listening to the show that aren't. But when he refers to Bill, he's talking about Bill Bernbach of Doyle Dane Bernbach. And he worked and was hired by Bill Bernbach, and we'll talk about that throughout today's interview. But real quickly, just as a, a foundation of the book that you referred to, Ali Rapp, yeah. uh, published by Tashin, and uh, also tied in with ESPN, I guess co-produced, uh, and recently uh, followed the Heisman Trophy Awards on a special that uh, aired on ESPN. Uh, how did the uh, idea? What do we have? A couple minutes left, right? Yeah, at least a couple. Yeah, talk about how the idea for Ali Rapp came about, George. Well, Tashin had produced. Uh, you know, I really—I don't know if you ever saw the, that, that gigantic book they did. It cost five thousand dollars. It's not a coffee table book because it's bigger than a coffee table. 
know, you can't even lift it, you know, it's only five pounds. And uh, Tashin came to me three, four years, uh, three years ago, whatever it was, and he showed me, uh, he brought like, about 30 of the large sheets of paper to, for me to proofread, because I, I, I was very involved with the... Muhammad all his life, and he wanted me to kind of check the facts, et cetera. And then I looked at the book, and then I got involved with it. And, you know, I didn't do any of it, but I just, uh, you know, kind of consulted on some of the things that, that I did. And we went on the uh, Charlie Rose show talking about his book, and then uh, along with David Remnick, you know, who had done a, you know, the New Yorker, who had done a great book on Ali. And we talked about Ali, you know, for uh, an hour or so, and we, I told stories, et cetera. I came home, and I said to my wife, you know, you know, this gigantic book. It's, I mean, I don't know who's going to be able to. You can't, you got to, first of all, $5,000 that you can't lift it. You can't turn the pages. And my wife said, Well, why don't you do a book on Muhammad? You know, you're such pals and you know so much about him. Why don't you do a book about it? And I said, That's a hell of an idea. That's a good idea. The, from the big, Tashin could do the biggest book in, in the world on, on Muhammad Ali, and now he'll do the smallest book. I'm going to do a book about. I, I'm going to do a book about this small, you know, about this thick. I'm going to make it, uh, it's going to be like the Bible of Muhammad Ali, or, 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 or maybe better yet, the Koran of Muhammad Ali. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. And, that's, that's and that's how I got into it. And the day, I, that night that I got back from the Charlie Rose show talking about this gigantic book, I decided uh, I am going to... Go, start the next morning and uh, and uh, create a book called Alley Rap. Yeah. And and the reason I called it Alley Rap is a, is a long story. So maybe we can talk about that. Yeah, later. we will talk about that. And just for for our listeners that uh, can't see the book that we're talking about, you may you may call it small because it's a uh, eight inches by uh, <laughs> by heavy. six inches. But <laughs> you, yeah, you're, you're talking three hundred pages here, and it's and it's uh, art directed by it's world famous. Six hundred. Is that right? Oh, well, yeah. on both sides, yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, we put that on both sides these days. Uh, well, thank you. <laughs> you. You know, you just numbered it on one side. So, uh, And, you know, when I spun through this and I saw Telly Savalas, I thought, well, there's George in his younger years. No, that's Telly Savalas. But, no, uh, uh, you know, for, for those that are uh, are interested, you know, I'm sure Amazon.com has a copy of this book or go to Barnes & Noble or where else, uh, wherever else you buy your books and uh, check it out. It's a great book. But uh, about, a, about a minute left here. Uh, By the way, Telly Savalas, there was a fellow Greek and a good pal of mine. I would imagine. I mean, Atelli is from the name Aristotle. His name is Aristotele in Greek. So the Telly comes from Aristotele, the end of it. I just want you to know that, you know, and you know, you got to know your stuff. We'll do some Greek and Latin in just a little while, too, with George Lewis, our friend here on the advertising show, Ray Schillens, Brad Forsythe. And the book, uh, over 300 rap rhythms, witticisms, insults, wisecracks, politically incorrect quips, and courageous stands and words of inspiration from the mind, heart, and soul of the brash young Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali. It's uh, George Lewis, our special guest, here on the advertising show with Ray Schillens and Brad Forsythe, uh, being powered by... Shipple.com, that's S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com. It's a program called Tenancy. It's a great web marketing tool. Check it out at Shipple.com. We've been back with more with uh, George and Ray and Brad here in just a minute. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. On the 
advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth and our special guest, actually part one of a uh, two-part interview with a good friend of the advertising show, George Lois, legendary art director, author, Ali Rapp, Muhammad Ali, the first heavyweight champion of rap. And, uh, Brad, you are allowed to do a Ali impersonation at this point. All right. Well, okay, here we go. <clears throat> Let me get into character here. Yeah, Let me put these uh, shorts on. I got my boxing uh, shoes on. You're okay, wearing here. boxer shorts today. Well, That's thank good. you. Thank you. you are wearing something. They're made white, white shoes, by the way. Yeah, well, here, here we go. Okay. I'm going to whip you, Joe Frazier. <laughs> How was that? How was that? That was really good. Well, thank you. Good. We'll now, to... now, let's talk a little bit about uh, Ali. I know back in uh, 1968, you really uh, made a uh, made a name for uh, well, made a name for Ali. He was already a name, but <laughs> right. but really uh, put it, put him on the cover of Esquire magazine in such a way that still today uh, is uh, referenced in a lot of. Uh, of uh, various uh, media coverage of Ali when they look back on his career. Before we talk about that uh, unique uh, photo shoot that you uh, and Muhammad Ali got together and did and how you came about uh, achieving that with uh, Ali, how is it that you came to do covers for Esquire magazine, George, back in the 60s? Well, I had... um I had started my ad. I, I left Doyle Dane in uh, late '59, and uh, uh, the uh, January '60, 1960, I started my own ad agency. And um, I had always, I had gotten publicity as uh, you know working for Doyle Dane. But when I started my own ad agency, it was, I got gigantic publicity. Uh, the New York Times uh, did dozens and dozens of stories about me. I was, it was the first ad agency of any importance where an art director had his name on the, on the masthead, et cetera. And, uh, and everybody was excited. Everybody in the ad agency was, uh, industry was excited that a second creative agency uh, uh, hopefully had started, you know, because there was only one in everybody's mind. That's Doyle Bain Burnback. And so we, um, and, and we did very, very well. And I got tremendous publicity specifically. Every time I did an ad campaign, uh, you know, the Times did a big story, you know, and, and everybody picked up on it, et cetera. So Harold Hayes working at, uh, at, at uh, Esquire magazine obviously was reading the stories about me. And a year after, or so, something like that, in my sec- second year uh, in, at the agency, uh, I got a call from him, and he, uh, I knew he was the, uh, the editor. Actually, he wasn't the, uh, the assigned editor because he had been in a uh, three-way uh, fight to, for, to become the editor, but I knew all about him. And he asked us to have lunch with me, to talk to me, and I was glad to go, and we talked, and uh, he, he realized I was a, a big fan of his, and uh, even though the, the, the um, readership had stayed at the same level that it had been for many, many years, like a 500,000, I, I just knew that he was a great editor. And he said to me, he, uh, he asked me, how, George, can you help me to try to figure out how to do better covers? And I said, well, yeah, how do you do them now? And he said, well, I, you know, uh, you know, uh, we sit down with the whole staff, with the writers, and we sit down with the editors, and I sit down with the, the art staff, and we all, um, and I talk about, we all talk about the issue, and and uh, we kind of go back and forth, blah, 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 you know, and we all go away and come, come back with uh, thoughts on what the cover could be to cover the main uh, uh, stories. And I said, oh, my God, group grope. <laughs> and he said, what was that? What was that? I said, group grope. He said, that's bad. I said, H- bad? Of course it's bad. I mean, is that what you do with uh, with Gay Talese and Norman Mailer? You sit down and 
everybody discussing what he said no of course not I said don't so what, so what do I do I said well give it to one guy uh, obviously you don't have anybody there who's capable of doing it but so go outside and find this some uh, you know a, a, a designer who can who understands the, the culture who understands uh, who's a great graphic talent who uh, who uh, you know understands politics who's literate etc and give them all your stories give them everything and have him come up with something and he said really I said yeah he said well how do I who can I get to do that so I, I gave him some names and he said listen can you do me a favor what's that could you do me one cover? Just to show me what it is, what you're talking about. I said, okay. I said, uh, what's your next, uh, when's your next cover supposed to be out? He said, I, I need it in a week. I said, okay. Uh, give me everything, give me all the information, give me the input, give me the, what's been written so far. Uh, talk about it a little bit to me now and I'll do a cover and I'll deliver you a cover in a week. He said, really? I said, yeah. And he tells, and he's going through this whole issue, and, he, and, he, and then he says, part of it, he says, uh, um, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, we have a uh, short story on, uh, a piece on uh, Floyd Patterson, uh, who was uh, the heavyweight champion of the world, and uh, fighting Sonny Liston, who's, and, uh, and uh, I said, well, yeah, your Patterson's a 10 to 1 favor, or something like that. He said, yeah, yeah right. And... Um, I said, uh, okay, well, that's interesting. And when will the issue come out? Uh, it'll, uh, as it uh, pertains to the fight, he said, well, about a week before the fight. I said, great, okay. So I went back. I immediately called I called a, a photographer, a guy named Harold Krieger. I said, Harold, I'm gonna, I want to let's get a body. Uh, and I gave the measurements of Floyd Patterson. I gave him the size. I, just tell him, I want a guy who has a body uh, who's built like him. Let's go up to the St. Nicholas Arena because it's a terrific open view. We can shoot down. It was up in the uh, in the Manhattan, uh, and uh, we'll shoot down. And what I want to do is take a photograph of Floyd Patterson, seemingly in the in the ring, face down, left for dead. Liston just kicked the shit out of him, and everybody left. His candle is left. Every the fans left, and he's just left alone. It's almost like a metaphor for. Uh, you know, if, uh, if uh, when an athlete loses, when you lose, uh, you know, everybody uh, abandons you. And took the shot, got the fight. The only problem I had is I knew, because I knew that Sonny Liston was going to was going to kill Floyd Patterson. I just absolutely knew it. I mean, I, I, if there's one thing I know, if there's two things I know, it's advertising in a fight game. You know, <laughs> I just knew he would destroy him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. Um, and uh, I said, the only problem I had was, I said, uh, what we did is we got white trunks and black trunks and took a shot in bo- of him in, in both. Uh, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't have any idea what color trunks he would walk in, in uh, you know, he walked in with. I called T- Customato, who was his, um, who was his uh, you know, manager, and I, try, and, I, and I knew him, and I said, Cus, hey, I, I, I hear Floyd's looking good, blah, blah, blah. Uh, listen, what, kind of, what color trunks is he gonna wear? You know, he's the champ, he can come in with any color he wants. And in those days, it was black or white, you know. Right. And uh, he said, uh, what do you want to know for? Yeah, I mean, he suspected me immediately. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I took so I took the boat. So I sent the cover with black trunks to, to Hayes. Uh, you know, a week later, he didn't know what I was going to do. He opened up the package, looked at it, he, and, and he called me and he said, "Jesus, George, I never saw a cover like this." I said, "Yeah, <laughs> that's the name of the game." 
you're calling a fight on a magazine cover a week before, and it's going to come out a week before the fight? I said, yeah. <laughs> I said, so, do you know what you're talking, you're, are you right? I said, yes. I only got one problem. I don't know what color trunks he's going to wear. <laughs> <laughs> so he, so he, you know, he, he, I found out later that he showed it to everybody. Everybody said, you cannot run that cover. You can't take the chance. It doesn't look like a, a normal cover. You know, it's too stark, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But Hayes was, was he knew he was terrific. And he, and he, uh, he uh, his instincts were, let me go with this guy. Uh, so on the phone, I said, okay, uh, look, and I'm going to flip a coin. You know, heads is black <laughs> trunks, tails is white trunks. I, I flipped it up. You call it. He said, heads. I said, okay, black trunks. We ran the black trunks. The night of the fight, I'm sitting in, it, 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 I'm sitting in front of the television set. And my wife's saying, why are you so nervous? <laughs> I mean, aren't you sure that this one's going to win? I said, I'm positive, honey. But he's, wait, wait, I'm waiting for him to... Floyd to take off his 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 robe, and, and Floyd walks into the ring, it's a thunderous ovation, and he takes off the robe and his black trunks. I looked up and I said, I said there is a god, <laughs> <laughs> and of course he knocked him out in the first round, destroyed him, yeah. knocked him down three times in the first round, and uh, you know, uh, and uh, what had happened when it, when the magazine came out is uh, the. the uh, Sports community, sports newspapers all over America just lambasted Esquire. Just said how stupid, ba 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 ba. You know, just lambasted him. When the, when a week later, when he not ripped them apart and knocked them out in the first round, uh, what happened is uh, they envisioned, uh, they used to, the it was a five hundred thousand circulation, and uh, they sold another like a hundred and eighty thousand or something. So all of a sudden, they, everybody there said, "Whoa." Maybe covers can let people know how exciting the magazine can be, and that's how I got into it. And I did it for the next, uh, you know, eight or nine years. And you know, the lesson there for everyone is uh, George Lois and many greats like George Lois is all about taking chances. And it's easy to take chances when you're doing it on your own, but when you've got to convince your client. Uh, that that's where the salesmanship comes in, and we've got some great stories to share about that as well. George, we just have a, a couple minutes left. Uh, real quickly, if you can do it in two minutes, talk about uh, how you got Ali to do the famous arrows in his body. I know it's uh, it's uh, patterned after a famous sculpture. couple minutes. Uh, well, um, obviously, uh, Muhammad uh, was stripped of his title. Uh, uh, couldn't work. Uh, you know, he, uh, he was uh, sentenced to five years in jail for refusing to fight to join the army. And um, uh, actually, with the second cover I did, I uh, you know, it, it, the only mass magazine in America that came to his defense was was Esquire because I convinced Harold, who was a southern, who was a southerner, but a terrific southern liberal, that uh, he, he owed uh, you know that we owed him uh, you know defense for not only for changing his his religion as he uh, you know as, you know because it is a free country and uh, and for not be uh, joining the army to fight in a terrible terrible war. Mm-hmm. So I, I called up Muhammad and I said. Uh, I said, Muhammad, I want you here in two days. I want to shoot you. Uh, I want to show you as a martyr, as St. Sebastian a martyr, you know, with arrows in your body. And I, I want you here. Bring your white trunks, bring your white shoes. I need you here. He says, well, I, I can't make it. I, 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 I said, Muhammad, you're not even working. You're not doing anything. Come here. So he got there. He came. <laughs> he walks in the, the, the studio, and 
and uh, I said uh, I showed him a postcard of a painting by Castagno, which is the yeah. the pose I wanted him. There's there's a, hundreds of, of great paintings of uh, Saint Sebastian, but I like this one because his the body's at repose, but his his face is in agony. And uh, I showed it to him, and Muhammad looked at it, and he said, oh, "George, this cat's a Christian." <laughs> I said, "Holy smokes." You're right, champ. Of course he's a Christian. He's Saint Sebastian, right? <laughs> and he and he and he said, oh, I, and he was stunned. And he said, oh, I don't, I can't pose for this. I'm a Muslim. I said, Oh my God! And everybody in the studio is waiting for him to was first to do something. And I said, Well, Muhammad, what can I do? He said, I don't know. I said, Can I talk to Elijah Muhammad? <laughs> he said, Yeah. Picks up the phone. I said, call him. He picks up the phone, calls Elijah Muhammad. He gets him in Chicago. I get on the phone with him. And for half an hour, we had a theological discussion. And we talked about symbolism. And we had a wonderful talk. He wanted to know how old I was. He wanted to know what religion I was, blah, blah, blah. And after a half an hour talk with Elijah Muhammad, he said, young man, I think what you're doing is very good. And he put Muhammad on the phone. And he said, Muhammad, uh, I think it's fine. And we went ahead and we photographed Muhammad Ali standing there with six arrows, you know, deep in his body. Uh, And... uh, and the symbolism of the of the uh, of the cover was uh, was very powerful. It came out, and uh, I think it I think it, it changed a lot of people's minds about him because there were there were debates about Ali and Columbia University law schools, et cetera. I heard about later, et cetera. Uh, and it and it, it it was uh, as I said, it was the second cover I did that uh, supported Muhammad Ali uh, when I was doing the covers. Uh, um, and it was at a time you gotta understand when there were very few defenders. Very, you know, Ali has said after, said many times that at the time in in the media in the media business, the uh, it was Esquire magazine to his defense, Johnny Carson, and uh, Merv Griffin, and um, and uh, and that's about it. Wow. You know, if you ever see a history of uh, Esquire magazine covers, that cover is sure one that will be brought about. We've got uh, a great guest and so much to talk about. As a matter of fact, we're going to have to ask George to come back with us next week for part two of our uh, George Lois interview here with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the Advertising Show. There's more to come. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Kids eat armor hot dogs. I saw this uh, earlier this week. I did not know this, but now I guess I do, and maybe you have heard of this as well. Hot dogs in Anchorage, Alaska mm-hmm. are very much in vogue as long as they use reindeer meat. Really? Reindeer meat. So this guy is up in this uh, Chicago hot dog guy is up in Anchorage, and he sees this and says, I'm going to bring reindeer hot dogs good to Chicago. Mm-hmm. So consequently, there's this little kid eating reindeer. You no longer eat Bambi. Mm-hmm. You eat Rudolph. Right. So Is it doing like well? That. Do you know? I don't know. It's it's. They said it was doing pretty good, and the people seem to enjoy it as well. In keeping with the uh, hot dog concept, it yeah. can't be just the good quality reindeer meat. It's got to be all the other stuff, you know, blended <laughs> blended in. What do you put on a reindeer hot dog? Uh, Sprinkles. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good question. Yeah. And do you eat it cold? No. Or is it heated up? No, it's a hot dog, hot yeah. dog. Yeah. 
You would cook it, hopefully. I would hope. You wouldn't want to order it rare. No. No, not a good thing. Chance of uh, not only E. coli, something probably a lot worse as and well. And, you, you know, it's been in the news, I guess, Taco Bell. They had to discontinue two items because of the E. coli problem. Really? Yeah, it was What the, are they, tacos and burritos? No, it's the E. coli burrito <laughs> the, and the uh, chili con e, e. coli. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> That's good. How about uh, Jeffrey Gittimer here on the Advertising Show? What's your worth? Quick Takes on Sales and Customer Relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. The word value has a real difficult time being defined, let alone understood. Giving value and adding value are corporate buzzwords that Many salespeople and sales executives have a difficult time in understanding, let alone defining, let alone providing. Most people think that value is all about something that a company adds, added value. You couldn't define added value if I gave you a thousand bucks right now. It's some small additional service, something tacked onto a product, uh, maybe a slight reduction in price, even something free. Wrong. These are promotions, not values. Value is something that's done for the customer in favor of the customer. In my case, I found that it's most effective to give value first and give it without expectation and give it often and give it without expectation and give it to your best prospects and customers. And did I mention give it without expectation? Don't owe anybody anything. Don't let them owe you anything. Just give it. I give value through my weekly column and my weekly email magazine, Sales Caffeine. People call me out of the blue and thank me, ask me for my information, hire me. They buy from me. People don't like to be sold, but they love to buy. But here's the rule. Here's the mantra. It's so simple. I put myself in front of people who can say yes to me, and I deliver value first. You want my highest recommendation? Make it your mantra. Quick takes on sales and customer relations from The Advertising Show, the only radio show in America featuring Jeffrey Gittimer as a regular weekly guest. To learn more about his books, tapes, CDs, and speaking engagements, log on to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. And tune in next week when we'll hear Jeffrey say, This is Jeffrey Gittimer reminding you that if no one responds to your ad, it may be because your ad sucks. Guarantee you this, George Lois never did an ad that sucked. No. <laughs> Unless it was supposed to. All right. <laughs> and uh, we, we uh, enjoyed having George on the show. George is such a, uh, a, a big person in this industry that mm. he gets two shows, not one, but two. All right. So it's, uh, would you introduce, uh, would you do a tease for George for next week in the Ali voice? Well, we're going to have George back because he's, oh, George, get over here. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm losing it. I'm not, I'm not, I don't think I'm doing a very good That's job. That's fine. We'll, we'll try next week when we get uh, George back on the yeah. air. Maybe we get George to do a, a, a more recent uh, Ali uh, rendition. Because well, it he, seems he goes into that when he talks a little yeah. bit about Ali. And so. by the way, he said that uh, off off the air that uh, he, he saw Ali as recent as uh, four months ago. So this is all current stuff when, he, when, uh, when George talks about some more recent uh, takes on Ali. So. so that'll be for next week. Hope you have a good weekend. Hope you get your Christmas shopping done. Yeah. <laughs> good luck. Yeah, that's probably not going to happen. Um, anyway, it's it's been fun having George. George will be coming back uh, next week here at the Advertising Show. 
A uh, great place to visit anytime. And tell your friends about it, too. The AdvertisingShow.com is the website. Lots and lots and lots of good stuff there all throughout the uh, the week and the year. As we roll into 2007, lots of great plans, too. Uh, so we uh, look forward to uh, a lot of fun in the uh, brand new year. Advertising Show is being brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. You can visit them online at age.com. So with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, and next week our special guest again, George Lois, uh, will be back with us here at the Advertising Show, which, by the way, is a Big Radio Midgets production.